Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. President Biden. President Biden. President Biden. Mr. Blinken, Mr. Blinken, can you hear me? Prime Ministers and Presidents of the European countries, can you hear me? Can you hear the screams from Shifa Hospital, from Alauda's Hospital? Can you hear the screams from innocent people, refugees, sheltering, trying to find a safe place, being bombed? by the Israeli attack forces this morning inside the hospital. Hospitals that are the temples of humanity and protection. When are you going to stop this? You're all complicit. Welcome to Free State, everybody. This is the first of two parts this week. uh, And we're here. Joe is here and we are going to talk about a subject that it's hard to get away from. Um, I will say that just before we started recording, I found myself locked in my bathroom and unable to get out. And I thought, this is good. We don't have to record this podcast today Um, because it's not a subject that it's a subject that I think is becoming increasingly it started at a, at a it's always been an emotive subject, but it's it's something that is becoming more and more polarizing and more and more divisive as we've seen uh, in stuff that isn't isn't even around the actual issue, but like the kind of the culture, not in the culture war, but the 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 way Swella Braverman stoked things up in the UK and um, the the marches the counter marches um it it seems to be an issue where tribes are 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 flourishing and there is very little ability of people to just are not no, no i think it's generalization to say little ability of, of many people but there seems to be a lack of humanity for many people when you when you go on social media um, and maybe i'm uh, I, mean, I just sort of have the have a stomach for it, but it's it's something. Well, maybe that's a, maybe Dion, it's it's a really understandable reaction because of your very close friendships with uh, people from the Jewish community, and you know your closest friend being Jewish, and um, I mean no doubt 
no doubt it's a very frightening and uncertain time for Jewish people around the world. But I, I don't think but, it's. I don't. I think it's. I. I, I don't think it's. Uh, it's. It's. It's that. I think it's. I think it's uh, an issue where, and I, I don't even mean it from that from that perspective, Joe. I just mean it in in general. Like when I I I've actually taken like Twitter off my phone because every time I go on, I find it's just uh, extremes and arguments and exhausting, exhausting. Uh, blind alleys that have nothing to do with the real heart of this matter, which is what's happening in Gaza. And, 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 and again, and again, and I, and, and then also, and and what happened on October the 7th as well, and the hostages that are are still there. But I think the, uh, the absolutely exhausting tribalism of it is, 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 is dangerous in some ways. Well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm conscious of what the uh, the head of the United Nations Human Rights Commission, uh, Mohikber, said during the week. He said, you know, when he resigned uh, because of the failure, he thought of the United Nations to prevent this in Gaza. He said that, you know, when the United Nations criticised any other country for human rights uh, breaches, you know, or for war crimes, you know, we were able to do that. We said, but we can't do that in relation to Israel. You know, Israel is protected and Israel can essentially do what it likes. And um, I mean, uh, I, I, I was struck, I was struck by something that Dr. Mads Gilbert said this week, who's the consultant in emergency medicine who works in rotation you know, he's a long-standing humanitarian. He's worked in the Al Shifa Hospital for 16 years. He said that, and it exemplified for me the the success of Israel's war on truth and how meaning, you know, and truth has been corrupted. He said that the uh, Palestinian people are the only people on earth who need to prove that they are dead when they are killed. Mm. This is the same Mads Gilbert who, just before we began to record today, made a heartbreaking appeal to the international community. You know, he said, like, listen to the screams. You could hear the screams in the background in Al-Shifa Hospital as the Israel Israel Defense Forces attack it again. He said, these are temples of humanity and protection. For God's sake, can you stop? Can you stop this? And, you know, I think that part of the purpose, part of the success of Israel's protection by Western countries, you know, Germany, the UK, the US, uh, the long-standing guilt of Germany about the Holocaust, is that they they feel they feel that they cannot criticize Israel. I mean, Germany's Germany are now back in the genocide business. I mean, this week they announced that they were going to increase their armament shipments to Israel from 30 million euro last year to 330 million this year. You know, more weapons of war to, to, to continue the onslaught on a defenseless population. And I don't know if you saw the, the, the famous Jewish comedian, Alexei Seals remarks mm. about this. And, you know, it was very striking and I think it's very important to distinguish between 
the Israeli government and Israel, you know, the Zionist Israel and Jewish people around the world. I mean, Alexei Seal said that, you know, Israel is like a teenager who's never been given any boundaries, endlessly indulged by its doting parents, the West. And as a result, it has now become a psychopath. So what was your initial response to, to the recent sort of escalation of attacks from Israel on Gaza? What did you see it as? Well, I was trying to think of, like, the psychology, really, of the, the psychology of the nation and the psychology of the people behind it. And I said in 2009 during uh, Cast Lead that, you know, Israel seemed to me like a kind of a, a teenager that's never been given any boundaries that is endlessly indulged by its kind of doting parents, the West, and has, uh, 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 you know, kind of become a psychopath as a result, that it uh, clearly doesn't care about damaging the lives of children. Uh, it thinks that uh, everybody else is in the wrong and it is endlessly in the right. And also, it's a state that's endlessly, again, indulged by, by the power, by uh, the Western powers, uh, by governments everywhere, because... They're frightened of it. They're frightened of it physically in some ways. They're frightened of its kind of anger and they're frightened of the kind of uh, power that it wields, you know, and its influence. It doesn't care about damaging the lives of anyone. Children, women, it doesn't make any difference. They think that everyone else is in the wrong or they're always in the right and they're endlessly indulged by Western powers. Because, and this was for me the most fascinating thing about what Alexei said, and I know that he's very, been very prominent in these peace protests. Um, he said that they're endlessly indulged by the Western powers. He said, I think, because they are frightened of Israel in some ways, of its crazed anger, frightened of the power it wields now that it's a nuclear power, its power around the world and in the Middle East, and where that might lead to. And I have to say, I hadn't thought of that before, Dion that the Western powers in some way fear what this sort of, for me, out-of-control rogue state is truly capable of, and that, which caused me to lie awake last night thinking about this, as I've been doing since, you know, over the last four weeks, that, that maybe what's happening with the Biden administration, what's happening with um, the European Union is... A part of it is a fear that if they're not, in some sense, helping to control Israel, that Israel could go out of control altogether with results that simply couldn't be known. You know, I, like it's in it, it's, it, it was something that I hadn't thought of. It's been striking um, how uh, Netanyahu and the Israeli government and you know even even the the the, the ministers who are, are who are far worse than Netanyahu um, in the in the Israeli government how they have spoken about this and how they have uh, demonized uh, the Palestinian people like in a way that is is uh, you know if you're making a case for um, if you're making a case for for genocide. Um, and genocide rests, as, as you know, on, on intent as much as anything. It is, uh, you, you wouldn't need to go far to gather evidence from the comments of, of, of ministers uh, and Israeli politicians to support that. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, and 
as the, self, the, one, the, sort of the one self, thing right? just like when the on the no, no, I know, I, I yeah, no, it is, and I think the sense I think, that God is with them somehow. That this, but you is, see, I, but I think you know, I think in a strange way that uh, <clears throat> that sense, um, that sense of being like it is, it, like <laughs> you know, being being on their being on their own, being always like what what happened on October seventh just tapped into so many of the sort of darkest fears of, of Israeli people and the Israeli state and, and then the, you know, Jewish people around the world. Um, and it is, it is tragic that again, they feel, they feel abandoned and, you know, and I, I would say Israel, well, no, let me finish the point. Jewish people feel abandoned, but, but let me, the reason I'm going to sit, let me finish the point. I'm not, I'm not making, let me, and I think part of that is because of, of, of like that is, that is on the Israeli government as well, because their actions have been, have over, over a period of time have made people, um, you know, feel that way. I mean, but, 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 but you look at, you look at, for example, how stark, you know, the Israeli ambassador and the second in command and how they've been behaving in Ireland over the last five weeks, which is truly shocking. And that must be in itself very frightening to Jewish people who are accepted and loved in Ireland and are very much part of the community. I mean, the only anti-Semitism that I'm aware of in Ireland in relation to the Jewish community is that very small but burgeoning hate movement, you know, who talk about the Jewish replacement series and all the rest of it. I mean, but let's go back to... I read. I don't know if you read uh, Max Hastings, yeah, the the editor of the Telegraph, who sort of in a in a way was responsible for the the inexorable rise of Boris Johnson. <laughs> he he was the first person to give him the big job in the Telegraph when he was the editor of the the, the Daily Telegraph. And Max, as you know, was a very prolific writer and scholar, and he in the seventies was recruited by the Netanyahu family to write an official biography of Benjamin Netanyahu's brother, Yoni. Mm. And in his, in that memoir, Hastings recalled, you know, he sets out a, a really frightening conversation at the dinner table, which he recorded, which demonstrated Netanyahu's ambition for genocide and ethnic cleansing. I'll just read the passage. And this is from the book. At Bibi Netanyahu, that's Benjamin, Netanyahu's dinner table in Jerusalem, I listened with crawling dismay to Bibi talking about the future of his country. In the next war, he said, if we do it right, we'll get all the Arabs out. We can clear the West Bank, sort out Jerusalem. He joked about the Golani Brigade, the Israeli infantry force, in which so many men then were North African or Yemenite Jews. They're okay as long as they're led by white men, he grinned. And it was a frightening glimpse into this um, utterly amoral authoritarian figure who is now in charge there. And, you know, the the... One of the striking features of all of this is the fact that you talk about, you know, people being divided against each other. And how effectively Israel and its sort of very, very powerful propaganda sort of lobby units throughout the world, which you want to talk about a bit, uh, has, has taken the focus away 
from the mass murder of civilians. I mean, I was in, as you know, I'm one of the council in Stardust. And I have to say, I feel very privileged to be instructed on behalf of 10 of the families. You know, 48 young people burned alive in a disco in 1981. And on Thursday, a witness, one of the patrons who survived, Deborah Osborne, gave evidence. And she said, you know, it was the heat that hit me first, a terrible heat. I fell. I remember the fear, the terrible fear. You could have heard a pin drop, you know, in the, in the courtroom. I remember thinking, please let me see the sky again. Please let me see my mother and father again. On the ground, I started to go to sleep. I fought so hard and then I gave up because there was nowhere. I couldn't go anywhere. I thought I was going to die. I, I wanted to live, but I knew I was going to die. I was holding Paula's hand. Then I let go. I shouted and shouted my friend's names. Then Mary Heaney found me. She pulled me. I crawled a few feet and there was a whoosh of air. I crawled towards it. I was barely able to crawl. I crawled outside and stumbled to the grass verge. I couldn't believe it. And the Paula that she describes died in the fire. Her two close friends, whose names she was crying out, Sandra Lawless, Paula Lewis, they both died. And Mary Heaney saved her life in an act of conspicuous heroism. And when she was given evidence, she said, you know, I'm sorry about the way I speak because the lining of my lungs was destroyed. I was so badly burned. I have constant chest infections. She sounded like a very heavy smoker. And the tears ran down her face when she gave the evidence. And it's a constant reminder to me in Stardust how precious human life is. And it's... It's a very scary signal, I think, that Israel has been so effective in taking the focus away from the mass murder of civilians. Um, and, you know, what you say, and I know that you're a person of absolute integrity and good intent, that you're worried about talking about it, you know. And I think that's the, that's the game. To get people worried about even talking about it, so that we've got leaders in the Western world, no doubt people of good intent and good faith with families who understand the world and that we're in essence, you know, we're all the same. And yet they're saying things like, well, I stand with Israel. Because hmm. it's easier to say that and, 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 and to start the sort of the deluge of, the, you know, the attack dogs that come on to you. Um, I mean, uh, I can't remember a time in life, I think possibly during the hunger strikes, when I felt so depressed about the world and about where things are heading. Really, like in 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 in, like the depression is clear when when we when you see the like footage coming from Gaza, like every not even every day, every hour, there's you know like. There's, you know, there's, you know, horrific, horrific footage, and we will talk about the attempts, like by, you know, Israel and and, and its associates to kind of to discredit a lot of those videos um, falsely. Um, but it's 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 you know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Like the, you, even before you get even once you get past the hurdle of 
the disinformation, the noise, the the total bombardment of of uh, opinion, you then are, you then are faced with the reality of what is actually happening there. You know those the footage of people being told to leave a hospital and then uh, rushing back in as Israel, Israeli soldiers fired on them. Um, uh, you know the uh, like I, you know some of you can't even can't even talk about this. There's, there's the yeah, I mean like the, the, there, know, was, the there was a girl, the the various like horrific horrific stuff that um uh um and 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 i i like i find it troubling like i you know and we we come from this from like i different points of view in in one sense but also i think different sensibilities in in a, in in one way too and i maybe i'm just i i uh even in the frame of reference that Israel is talking about since October the 7th and the right to defend itself and all this thing, which again, people parrot as, and we said this way, you know, in our first podcast that, uh, what does that, what does that mean? And still you have to ask yourself, what does that mean? Because what does it mean in, in that, in what, in, even in the, in the frame of reference that Israel says is it's right. How is the, how is what they're doing? Even if you put aside the lack of humanity, the 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 the, the, the savage loss of human life, forty percent of the people killed in Gaza being being children, you know all this kind of stuff. Even in the terms that Israel says said it is doing this, it doesn't make any sense because it is not. It is making its own. It is making it harder for itself to defend itself in every yeah. sense. Well, yeah, I suppose only if only if. I mean, another I mean like that. I wanted to talk a bit about this, about how they how they have turned reality on its head. I mean, Gabor Mate, Doctor Gabor Mate, who himself is a Holocaust survivor, he's a renowned sort of palliative care director at Vancouver Hospital. He was there for many many years, so he understands life and death. You know, I'm a man of empathy, all of that. His grandparents were murdered in the Auschwitz death camp. They didn't die in the Auschwitz death camp. Just like all these Palestinian civilians didn't die mysteriously, they were murdered in the Auschwitz death camp by the Germans. His father survived a labor camp, a German work camp, and he was saved by a stranger when he was five months old who took him away. And he he said this week, this is the worst thing he's ever seen. He said, in a very deep sense, it's the worst thing I've seen in my whole life. He said, you know, it's impossible to compare with other atrocities, but what is different about this is that we see this unfolding publicly and Israel is allowed to get away with it, you know. And he talked about how, and I want to expand on this, you know, during the, 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 the podcast because I think it's fascinating, how he said the people of Israel's feelings have been conditioned by decades of propaganda, you know, um, to the extent that now what they say, and he said, like with Netanyahu, for example, he is so false that what he says is not even the opposite is true. But in a certain deep sense, I feel that it's the worst thing I've seen in my whole life. And uh, it's impossible to compare atrocities. But what is different about this is that I've never seen anything so publicly committed, such atrocities perpetrated, 
on television and the victims are presented as the uh, as the perpetrators and either this spectacle this obscene this vicious spectacle that we're subjected to is either supported or condoned by the major media major media and all the politicians comes out of a culture in which the atrocities of the other side are never called out. No Israeli spokesman, when they talk about their policies, ever asked, do you condemn the uh, the pogrom at Hawara in, in the West Bank earlier this year? Do you condemn the killings of Palestinian children by settlers? Do you, do you condemn the regular attacks by the settlers? Do you understand that the former deputy chief of staff of the Israeli army said that the situation of the Palestinians in the West Bank reminds him of the situation of Jews in Germany. Is this even reported in the Western press? And what he meant by is that the settlers like the Nazi hooligans are free to attack the Palestinians as the Nazis, thugs, the brown shirts were free to attack Jews and the army and the police not only stood by, they aided and abetted them. Is the Western public made aware of the thousands of Jewish Israeli rabbis and historians and intellectuals who recently signed a document calling the present situation clearly apartheid. Are you aware that the former head of Mossad has said that the situation of the Palestinians under the occupation is apartheid? And so when anybody is asked to speak about perpetrations on the Palestinian side, they're immediately asked to condemn and to denounce and to reject. And yet the daily suffering, crucifixion of the Palestinian people, and including and especially the people in Gaza, nobody's ever called to task, nobody's ever questioned, and these smooth-faced liars in the Israeli army who, um, could give less, who would give lessons to Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, who are, who are masters of propaganda, like Goebbels never was. They're allowed to get away with it. Feelings that are conditioned by decades of propaganda, decades of weaponizing the suffering of Jews as a baton with which to beat the Palestinians. You've got to get past that. And you have to actually ask yourself, do I really know what's going on? Have I stood one second even in my mind, in the shoes of the other? Have I tried to understand what's happening to those people? If they committed certain acts that are hateful, what drove them to that hate? Did the Palestinians come to Europe to attack Jews? Or did something happen in, that, in their land that made them so desperate? I know what happened to my own people. Nothing that happened to us in any way justifies what's going on right now. You know, with Netanyahu, it's like with many other politicians, turn off the sound. Just listen to their body language. What you're seeing there is a person so alienated from his humanity, so committed to his ego, that as they say in Hungarian, whatever he says, not even the opposite is true. It's so false, not even the opposite is true. Hello, and it, one of the things that uh, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to, I think I sent you Gideon Levy, the, the sort of mm. the legendary Israeli 
uh, writer and thinker who's been a sort of senior writer with Haaret in the Israel Paper of Record for 40 years now, um, and who's the winner of the, the Sokolov Prize, which would essentially be the, 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 the sort of the Israeli version of the Pulitzer, and who has been one of the few voices in Israel to, to try to turn this all around. He said in a speech recently to the Israel lobby, he said, like, you know, we, we are a seriously dysfunctional and dangerous state. And he said, look, here are the problems. One, we deeply believe we are the chosen people and therefore we have the right to do whatever we want. You know, never in history, he said, has there been an occupation, a brutal, cruel occupation like ours of the Palestinian people where the occupier has presented himself as a victim. You know, and this enables all Israelis to live in peace because we are the victims. In Israel, everything goes. And he said, we always use the Holocaust. We use it shamelessly. Anyone who criticizes us, we say, well, what about the Holocaust? As though after the Holocaust, we have the right to do whatever we want. And he went on to say, the most crucial and worst thing about our values is the most dangerous one. It has been the systematic dehumanization of the Palestinians over 80 years. And if they are not human beings like us, then they do not have human rights. And if you scratch under the skin of almost every Israeli, you will find it there. Almost none of us think that the Palestinians are human beings. And he went on to say, you know, he said, I once wrote that we treat the Palestinians like animals in Haaretz. And he said, and I received protest letters from uh, Israeli animal rights organizations. I mean, that for me was the scariest thing. But there was never in history an occupation in which the occupier presented himself as the victim. Not only the victim, the only victim around. This also enabled any Israeli to live in peace because we are the victims. We said victimization, we said chosen people, when I say victimization, it goes without saying we have to mention the Holocaust and the unforgettable Mrs. Golda Meir that the American jury had exported to Israel. She said once, this unforgettable woman, that after the Holocaust, the Jews have the right to do whatever they want. But the third set of values is the most dangerous one, and this is the systematic dehumanization of the Palestinians, which enable us Israelis to live in peace with everything, because if they are not human beings like us, then there is not really a question of human rights. And if you scratch under the skin of almost every Israeli, you will find it there. Almost no one will treat the Palestinians as equal human beings like us. I once wrote that uh, we treat the Palestinians like animals, and I got so many protest letters from animal rights organizations, <laughs> rightly so. And this set of beliefs that they are not human beings like us enable us Israelis to live in so much peace with those crimes, ongoing crime for so many years, with losing any kind of humanity, humanity 
values I heard today, people talk about Jewish values. I must be frank with you, I don't know what are Jewish values. I know what are universal values. He once wrote in Haaretz that the Israelis treat the Palestinians like animals and got protest letters from leading animal rights organizations in Israel to complain about that comparison, you know. You know, he, he famously interviewed Ehud Barak, the former Israeli PM. And, you know, it was a very, um, as, as would be the case with Gideon, and he said, what would you have done if you were a Palestinian? And Barak said, well, unquestionably, if I was born Palestinian, I would have joined a terror organization to fight against Israel. What else would I have done? Become a collaborator? Accepted the suppression. Many years ago, I interviewed then candidate for prime minister, Ehud Barak, and I asked him a question which I try to ask in any occasion. Mr. Barak, what would have happened if you would have been born Palestinian? And Barak gave me then the only honest answer he could give me. He said I would have joined a terror organization. What else would have he done? And that interview caused a scandal in Israel and wholesale attacks on Ehud Barak, you know, who, as you know, could never be described as a dove when it came to the Palestinians. And it's essential to understand. We look at the Israelis and we look at the ambassador and the second in command talking about Ireland funding terror tunnels and we say, these people are absolute nut jobs. If this is insanity. But it's only when you listen to prominent Israeli and Jewish commentators that you begin to understand the culture in which that sort of thing has become normalized. I mean, Raz Segal, Professor Raz Segal, who's many people believe the world's sort of leading expert on the Holocaust and 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 an expert on genocide. Uh, he wrote in the Guardian last week, a powerful state with powerful army allies and a powerful army, military and navy engaged in a terrifying attack against Palestinians who are under an oppressive Israeli settler colonial rule, military occupation and siege, is portrayed as powerless Jews against Nazi terrorists. You know, and and I I thought a really, I mean, I don't know if you saw it during the week on you know, the the uh, Israeli armored car dragging the dead Palestinian behind them with the rope. Did you see that? No. Well, on the, it was the 20th of October, the Israeli journalist, this is a journalist, like a prominent Israeli journalist, Stas Coppolo, he tweeted a gruesome video of a dead Palestinian being dragged behind an IDF armored car with a rope, you know, like in the old days in the Clint Eastwood movies, you know, where they would tie, at the start of the movie, they would tie Clint to the, to the horse and, and ride off, you know, and then leave him there for dead not realizing that he was going to come and kill all 76 of them in due course. But Stas tweeted out the video. He was with the IDF, mm. you know, embedded with them. He tweeted out the video triumphantly. Our forces dragging a dead Nazi killed in Gaza. Mm. I mean, you know, and this is what, this is, this is what the dehumanization of Palestinians has, has, has sort of created. Now, you know, there's no constantly. I mean, Stas's Twitter account has been suspended since, but this is um, this is they think normal.
you know, they're shooting animals, they're killing animals, and they're murdering animals. And I mean, your man, um, I mean, I'll come, I'll come to some of these nut jobs who've been, who RTE have been given a, who, who RTE have been given a platform to. But I mean, Benny Gantz, the, the Israeli cabinet minister, he said this week, did you see this one where he was asked by the CNN reporter, he said that, you know, there are over 10,000 civilians dead. Mr. Gantz, you know, have you any comment on that? He said, well, that's simply details. Yeah. Simply details. And Isaac Herzog, Isaac Herzog, the Israeli president, he said, there are no innocent civilians in Gaza. They're all collectively responsible for Hamas's attack on Israel. You know? I mean, and do you know, I, I thought of a good way to, 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 to illustrate how insane all of that is, how perverse it is. Um, by by making a comparison with the North during the Troubles. Mm. You know, and I thought it would be a bit like the UK government. Now, obviously, we had a wide lot of the features of what's happening. I mean, certainly in the past, we had, you know, the systematic starvation, the famine, you know, the beheadings, all those things through the centuries. But let's let's just come to the modern troubles, the, the, the thirty years troubles, say from sixty nine to the ceasefire in nineteen ninety eight and the Good Friday Agreement. It would be like the UK government carpet bombing, UK military carpet bombing Republican nationalist areas of the north, right? And saying, Well, you know, these communities are harboring the IRA. The IRA are living amongst this population. You know, people are going in marches on support of them. They're harboring them, they're sheltering them. You know, they're spiriting them out of the areas to protect them. They're giving them safe houses. These IRA, Nazi, ISIS terrorists are using their local communities as human shields. And therefore, although we will try to avoid civilian casualties, what do you expect us to do? We are exercising our right to self-defense. And then, that, 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 and, then, and then them going ahead, bombing the Royal Victoria Hospital in West Belfast, the Matter Hospital in North Belfast, destroying most of South Armagh. And, you know, that's not as improbable as it sounds because whenever the archives were opened in 2014, it emerged that the DUP's top team, including MPs William McRae and Gregory Campbell, while the U.S. was bombing Libya in 1986, they requested the U.K. government to bomb the Republican areas of the North, to carpet bomb them, to take them out. Um, uh, how yeah. fucking insane, how fucking insane would that be? Are you fucking joking? Right? But when it's Israel, you've got world leaders saying, Bernie Sanders supposed to be the man of the people. Ooh, a ceasefire would be very wrong. It will allow Hamas to regrip. Guys with AK-47s and bicycles and scooters. It would allow them to regrip. And 11,000 <laughs> civilians dead. And Joe Biden said, imagine that, imagine what Joe Biden would be saying if that was happening in Ireland in the north. I mean, the Americans would be coming in. I mean, the American troops would be coming here. They'd be in aircraft carriers would be off the coast of Northern Ireland, and it would be, stop this fucking now to the Brits. But we've got this bizarre old world where you've got doctors from, you know, Medicine Sans Frontier 
and these, you know, heroic lifesavers going in there and they're, they're, they're making wee videos on their phone, like, can you fucking stop killing people? Mm. I mean, I don't know if you saw this morning, just before we started, one of the consultants from Medicine Sans Frontier, she was, she was begging the Americans to stop this, to help to stop this, and she couldn't continue. Mm. She couldn't continue. She had to weep and weep, and someone else had to take the, take the phone from her and resume. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, and, and the interesting thing for me is that it's only people who've retired, you know, like the head of the United Nations Human Rights Commission who, who, who resigned last week, and now he's able to speak freely. Charles Freeman, the former U.S. Secretary of Defense, he said this week, this, this is not a war with Hamas. It's a war of annihilation. Mm. There are two objectives, expel Palestinians, or if that doesn't work, murder them. It is a grotesque crime against humanity. As I said, this is not a war with Hamas. It is a, a war of annihilation aimed at Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, there are two aspects to this, two objectives. One is to expel Palestinians. There's been quite an effort made to get the Egyptians, with American support apparently, to take them into Sinai. Um, which has failed because uh, Egypt uh, does not uh, want uh, a troublesome population in Sinai. It already has enough trouble there. Uh, the other objective, if they can't be expelled, uh, they will be murdered. Uh, and so uh, what we are seeing is uh, very indiscriminate bombing, you know, killing hundreds in order to aim at one Hamas figure whose whereabouts they have identified. Uh, it is ruthless. Um, it is a grotesque uh, crime against humanity. And uh, it is costing Israel, I believe, uh, and the United States, which backs Israel in this, a great deal internationally. Is there any other way to describe it? No, I don't think there is any other way to describe it. I think that's the... Uh, and again, when you come, when you have things like this will give... Um, Hamas an opportunity to regroup like that those kind of comments uh again they make the mis they do actually fall into that trap of actually kind of portraying the entire population as as somehow um you know complicit and 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 part of of Hamas's network in some ways because like well, you know what does that mean what does that actually but, mean but and see, and like the point is about this is that everything that and I don't think I think uh, um, Hamas have 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 scant regard for for the people of Gaza, and I think you know the the point about this is what that does every, that mean, Dion? It, what I don't does that they, mean? I don't think that'd they be care. Like saying the IRA, that'd be like saying the IRA had scant regard for the Republican people of the North, well, they, who were living who were living under well, British oppression, being shot dead by them willy nilly, being put in detention camps, two thousand and all, put in a detention camp without charge or but, trial. I mean. Like, well, I'll tell you what you it know, means. So it means that, that, that was all fine. You know, shoot no, to kill, no, no, murdering civilians. I'll tell you what it means. You know, it us means, living under oppression, being it, being beaten up in our homes, I'll being thrown out of bed, having the car ransacked, having the house ransacked, treated like I'll shit. I'll tell you what a, it means. A percentage it means, of the people is going to rise up against that. No, but it tells you what it, I'll tell you what it means. It means that when when should we have just they, accepted it? Well, Joe, should we have just laid down and accepted it? Joe, you asked me. Let me answer. When when it means that when they do something like October the seventh. They, 
they don't care. They they know what they know what who their enemy is. They know how Israel uh, will respond, and they don't care of, about the consequences of that. Okay, that's what it means. All right. Um, well, so let that, me give a, you a difference. Let me. That's the Israeli propaganda. It's, it's not right? Israel. Let me, Joe, let me tell hold you on, Joe, my, Joe. Hold on me. a second, Joe. Joe, hold on a second. Don't tell. Don't say when I give an answer, which is I say in good faith that this is an Israeli propaganda. Like, but that's what they say. You know. well, this would matter. never have so happened without so, Hamas. But so, as though, as though no, history but on. started Just on the 7th of October. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You, Did I say that? You said they have scant regard for the people of Palestine. I they said, wouldn't I've, have done this otherwise. No, I, I said, what do they do? How do they respond to constant, as Gideon Levi, Daniel Levi, Gabor Mate describe as one of the most cruel, oppressive regimes in history? How do they respond to that? Do they just accept it? Do no, they just continue I, I to live in their shanty towns? You know, uh, eat eat whenever the Israelis allow them to eat. Drink when the Israelis allow water through. You know, have electricity whenever it's at the pleasure of the Israelis to allow them to have ex- electricity. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna read out a quote to you, and you tell me when this was. I'm gonna read out a tweet that was sent by a doctor from the Al Shifa Hospital. Okay, and you tell me when it was. Thank you for your support. They are bombing us. They have bombed the central market in Gaza City two two hours ago. 80 people are dead. Many are injured. They have all come here to Shifa. It is Hades. We wait in death, blood, and amputees. Children, pregnant women. I have never experienced anything this horrible. Now we can hear the tanks close by. Tell it, pass it on, shout it, anything. Do something. Will someone please help us? When was that? When was that tweet sent out by a consultant surgeon in Al Shifa? I don't know. That was the third of June, two thousand and nine. The third of June, two thousand and nine, at thirteen fifty, by Doctor Mads Gilbert. All right, the 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 the, the famous um, Norwegian surgeon who, who who works in rotation out there. Yeah. And so what's 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 I don't see how. Um, do you want another one? Do you want no, another I don't quote? Want another. No, I don't. These are the worst things I have ever seen. I have never seen anything like this. The brutality, the disregard for human life. That was during the 2014 carpet bombing of Gaza by Israel, which killed two and a half thousand Palestinian civilians. That was in response, the Israelis said, to three Israeli teenagers who were horrifically abducted and murdered by uh, Palestinian militants, okay? The response to that was a, a 45-day bombing, okay? And that was that was from a consultant surgeon, the message that I've just read, in July 2014. Yeah? We we talked what, on a previous... Like, the, the other, point, the other thing that Israel have done is they have persuaded people that history began on the 7th no, of no, October. Okay. When leading Israeli commentators and Jewish commentators around the world are having to stand up and say, look, we are not part of this gross cruelty and hypocrisy. This has to stop. Yeah. America has to stop enabling it. Europe has to stop enabling it. Did I, Joe, I'm not saying, hold on, there's a couple of things. I'm not saying that history began on the 7th of October. I am saying history got a lot worse on the 7th of October, right? But also, we have talked before about how Hamas and Benjamin Netanyahu were in uh, a perfect <laughs> arrangement yeah. as, as extremists, yeah. Yeah. right? Okay, yeah. and you know, um, 
And there is there is no doubt about that. And there is no doubt. And we've talked about, and you see it now, and you know the point that you've made before on this podcast uh, about the West Bank being a perfect example of of the Israeli attitude, where there is no Hamas in the West Bank, and yet you see what happens there. You see how well they've how killed people, they've you, killed two hundred civilians in the last three weeks. Two hundred yeah, civilians so, in the West so, Bank. So that so that is so that is that is that is a point. Like, but when the point I'm making, I I still think it is very possible to be to be uh, like you see. I don't I don't I like. <laughs> It is very possible to be totally appalled by everything that Israel have done uh, and are doing, and yet go, yeah, and yet think, well, Hamas is a is a death cult that uh, stands for stands for the erasure, stands for the destruction of Jew of of, of 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 the state of Israel and Jewish people, right? I'm okay. just saying, Dion, that that it's inevitable that an oppressed people is going to rise up. It is the history of the world. I, that's, that's just like, just like, just like, just like the Jewish people who were herded into the Warsaw Ghetto and blockaded in there, exactly like Gaza, herded in there, blockaded in there by the Nazis, systematically starved, systematically deprived of food, of energy, of the basics of life, given out passes to a certain number of them to work as collaborators uh, in, in Warsaw under German control. And then there was the Warsaw Uprising. You know, in appalling, rat-infested condi- conditions, they staged an uprising. And then the Germans came in and exterminated them on the second attempt. Okay. Now, if your point is right, then it was those Jewish militants who staged that uprising who caused the whole fucking extermination. If they had just stayed in there and behaved themselves... You know what? Maybe, maybe they would have been able to write it out. Look, let's just stick with where we are. Maybe five, six hundred Palestinians killed every year. Whenever the Israelis decide to bomb us once every three or four years, maybe we'll lose three or four thousand civilians. But look, you know, we're living in these horrific conditions. We don't know from one day to the next whether we're going to survive, you know, whether we're going to have enough food. We're not able to trade. We're not able to do anything. I think we're I, relying I, I, entirely I, I, on our oppressor, but look, it's better this way. No, that's exactly the same argument. Look, that the Jewish really, uprising in the Warsaw right. Ghetto was deeply, deeply irresponsible by the Jewish militants who staged that, and they have only themselves to blame. Now, how fucking insane is that? Well, that is an insane argument. I don't think there's any parallel at all. Well, why is there not a parallel? Because there's not a parallel. I think it's really dangerous when we start making parallels between. Uh, like, Why? Because the Nazi regime is with with there. There are no parallels with what happened to the Israelis. To, aren't to, far off it now. No, they're not. They're they're the pretty pr- far. The propag- but there, there are loads. Really? There are loads of reference points. There are, are there are there are loads of reference points well, in modern history. Well, you know, without having to all, without having to use one, which and I understand why why, why Jewish people find offensive that you know people w- will ref you know bring up what happened to them in the context of of Israel. As Gideon um, Levi says, as Gideon Levi says, it is the Israeli people. This Israeli government, and I'm not talking about Jewish people worldwide. We all know about the Holocaust, the worst thing that's ever happened, and as far as I'm aware, in the history of humanity. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. 
until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But the revered Israeli cabinet minister, Shulamit Aloni, she was voted in a 2005 poll, the 57th greatest Israeli. Okay, and Shulamit was a, a hawk, you know. She said it's a trick we always use. This is an interview that she did after she was no longer a cabinet minister. She did an interview which was very, very unguarded. Now we play the clip for the listener. It's a trick we always use. It's very easy to blame people who criticize the actions of Israel as anti-Semitic. We just bring up the Holocaust, the suffering of the Jewish people, and that justifies everything we do to the Palestinians. Um, often when there is dissent expressed in the United States against policies of the Israeli government, um, uh, people here are called anti-Semitic. Uh, what is your response to that as an Israeli Jew? Well, it's a trick. We always use it. When from Europe somebody is criticizing Israel, then we bring up the Holocaust. When in this country people are criticizing Israel, then they are anti-Semitic. And the organization is strong and has a lot of money. And the, the ties between uh, Israel and the American Jewish establishment are very strong. And they are strong in this country. As you know, uh, they have power, which it's okay. They are talented people and they have power, money, and uh, media, and other things. And their attitude is Israel, my country, right or wrong, the identification. And they are not ready to hear criticism. And it's very easy to blame people who criticize certain acts of the Israeli government as anti-Semitics and to bring up the Holocaust and the suffering of the Jewish people. And that's, that justifies everything we do to the Palestinians. That's the revered Israeli cabinet minister, Shulamit Aloni, you know. I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw Michael Svard. He's a leading Israeli lawyer and commentator. He was on Peston this week. He, he's, his, his legal practice is based in Tel Aviv, but he's a, a sort of a juggernaut in Israel. And interestingly, because I just wonder how this, you must have to have a lot of courage to do this in Israel. I mean, I, I, 
like I'm constantly amazed by the output of Haaretz, for example. You know, that they, they call it, like they're not saying, you know, they're not going along with the propaganda line. They're saying like, you know, they're pointing out what, an, what a rational, logical human being would point out. But Sfard said this week on Piss, and he said, look, you know, there have been decades of abuse by Israel, decades of abuse by Israel of the sacred fight against anti-Semitism. This Israeli government is exploiting the term anti-Semitism and abusing it by using it in a context that has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. I see it in British politics, in German politics, the fear of criticizing Israeli government policy when it comes to the Palestinians, the horrific attacks by settlers in the West Bank on defenseless people. And people are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid of being accused of anti-Semitism the bombardment of civilians in Gaza, and people are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid of being accused of anti-Semitism. You know, your question is the product of years and years of abuse of this sacred fight against anti-Semitism. It's really a sacred and very important fight uh, by, um, by Israeli government officials and, uh, and, and their supporters um, who are exploiting the the you know the the, the term uh, anti-Semitism and abusing it by using it in context that has nothing to do with anti-Semitism um, and I can see it in British politics um, the the you know the the scare of criticizing go- Israeli governmental policy when it comes to the Palestinians when it comes to annexationist uh, uh, platforms when it comes to the horrific things that we see now in the West Bank that no one's no one is talking about, how the settlers have been completely waging uh, uh, raids on the weakest communities in South Mount Hebron and in the Jordan Valley. And people are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid of being uh, um, um, of being accused of anti-Semitism. We know what anti-Semitism is. We know and there is anti-Semitism, and also now there is anti-Semitism when people are going after Jews for being Jewish and 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 criticizing and and criticizing Israeli policy or Israeli actions is not anti-Semitism. That's an Israeli human rights lawyer, Michael Svard, talking this week. You know, and I know that you have tried to 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 get uh, the renowned Professor Avi Schlem onto the podcast, and hopefully we will get him on over the next month. I mean, he 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 uh, made a speech last week where he said, look, anti-Semitism is hatred of Jewish people because we are Jewish. It is not anti-Semitic to criticize the actions of Israel in relation to the Palestinians. The charge of anti-Semitism is deliberately and disgracefully being used to silence legitimate criticism of this Israeli regime. I, I think and I mean, that's, that's why yeah. I come back to your point at the start, which is, and I know this to be true of you, and don't for a second think that I, I mean, I, I, I know your integrity is absolute, but it, it, it like, it's, it's amazing to me, like, I'm going in the Lewis every day now, you know, because I'm doing Stardust, people are coming up to me and saying, Jesus, I can't believe your balls, I can't believe what you're saying, you know, out loud, we're thinking that, but I mean, it's... You know, are you sure you're saving them? You're saying, what? What? Mm. Genuinely, I mean, like, people congratulating you on the on the loose and as you're walking along in the street. And, you know, like, congratulating you for saying, 
Like, you've got to stop fucking mass murder of civilians. You can't do it. It's a breach of international law. And it's a breach of all the norms of decency and morality and what makes us all human. But ultimately, it's deeply corrosive to the people of Israel as well. You know, I mean, and you, you know, you'd think it was blatantly obvious. And, see, yet, I, yeah. and yet we all we all have to sort of start by, I mean, like, I don't know if you saw those fucking, and, and like, if you said to them, right, because they're all very well educated, they're all Oxford educated, all these spokespeople for the Israeli government and the, the IDF, etc. And if you said to them, look, you know, do you realize that you're a complete nut job? I'm sure these people who've been given a platform regularly on RT and News Talk would be amazed. Like Elon Levi, for example. He's the senior Israeli government spokesperson and he's been on RTE. In fact, they did a, a six and a half minute interview with him during the week, right? And I just checked Elon out. You know, he's a bright young thing. Oxford graduate, went back to Israel then. He said on RTE, this is, the, this is the guy who RT platformed. I've just looked over his Twitter output over the last week. Israel is going to destroy the terror state of Gaza. They are monsters. It's not our fault civilians are dying. We warned them to get out. I paused to say they embalmed them as they did. Palestinians, this is a tweet, Palestinians can't handle the fact we are the good guys. This is all Hamas's fault. But you would say, like, that's completely insane. But they have been, as, as, as Gabor Mati says, conditioned by decades of propaganda within Israel to believe that that is correct. You see, do you know what's in, I think there's a couple of interesting things when you make the parallel with the North um, uh, and that idea, you know, of, of bombing whole communities, uh, the, par the, the parallel. Um, as you say, there were people who who would uh, feel that that's how that, that's how they would characterize those communities. That's how they would feel about that. And it is it is that that striking thing about human nature that whatever way Israel feels about itself and 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 that it that it has, it has persuaded itself that this is the only way it can act to defend itself which we have talked about before that this is this is what they must do itself. no this i know it's not, not. i know it's not i know it's not and they've been doing this they've been doing this they've been doing this at regular intervals for you know since 1948 and particularly since 1967 but joe when you when a you rudimentary talk, knowledge of history will tell you that that is so i mean i mean they were using chemical weapons in 1948 but joe whenever, when, yeah, whenever, yeah, whenever, yeah. whenever almost a million palestinians were ethnically cleansed but Joe, the other thing I just want to ask you about, when you talk about Hamas and you talk about, you know, that this this is inevitable when the people are suppressed and, you know, they they, yeah. they, they rise up like that. It's the history of the world. It is, it is, there is, it is a history of the world, but also there are, there are moments when, when, like in every situation, the oppressed becomes, uh, you know, an oppressor. Uh, or a slow, and we saw it in the we saw it in in the troubles. We saw you know those moments like Warrington, those bombs, Enniskillen, where things became atrocious, where, where, where atrocious things became you're, you're, okay. And there is a there is a dehumanizing element that kind of you know you go, well, how how can you how can you get to this point? Do you not see when you when you say something like that about Hamas uh, that is almost inevitable that you're that people it's not will, almost it, it is inevitable. You, it's but, the history of the world. 
But do you not think that you're looking at there is some agency? I mean, George there, Washington. There is some was a, George some, Washington was a terrorist. Nelson Mandela was is, a terrorist. There is some agency when you're you're there not to actually go around shooting shooting families, not to murder families. There is some there is some uh, I mean, human beings. Say, human beings do not respond well to chronic oppression. They just don't do it. Like I saw it in my own community. But Joe, do you not so, think you know, you they appalled me like a man? To a couple of people who socialised in our house regularly, regularly. I mean. One of them, you know what, a very, very good friend of my family's, you know, and moved to Dungiven afterwards after he had served his life sentence. You know, the Coleraine bomb, one of the most atrocious, all atrocious, but I mean, a horrific bombing, you know, killed many civilians. And, uh, you know, and the person who carried that out after he'd served his life sentence is now a valued member of the Dungiven community. It was a horrendous thing, horrendous. You say to yourself, how can someone do that? How can a human being do that to other human beings? You know, but that is the history of oppression. That is what oppression produces. And we know, you know, we see now the sea change in the North since the peace process and since the Catholic nationalist people were treated with equal respect, have the vote, have equal housing rights, have equal employment rights, all of the things that were denied us you know, that led to the troubles that began with the civil rights movement. The civil rights marchers are battened off the streets. And then you've got a portion of the people who say, once the British come in and start shooting, start killing civilians and then lying about it, you know, then a portion of the people are going to rise up. And it doesn't matter what me or what John Hume or what any of the other people who believe that the only route is peace say. This is the reality of the world. Yes, you know, the fanatics. Was was, them said, "You punch somebody in the face, they're going to punch yeah, you back." The history of the world so, is so, also so the fanat fanatics. As usual, will... as usual, as usual, you call them fanatics and you call them a death cult. There is no death cult in the Middle East like the Israeli government. I didn't say there was. I didn't. Yeah. They have killed. They have killed in the last twenty-five years. They have killed fifteen times the amount of Palestinians as the other way around. The response to that is to kill. At this point in time, eleven thousand human beings in Palestine, and the answer, and, and Israel's answer to that is, well, look, you know, Hamas are using them as human shields. And I come back to the point: the UK government could have said that about us in the north. We're harboring the IRA. The IRA are using them as human shields. It's absolutely shameless. You know, don't blame us for this. Blame the IRA. Thanks a million. You know, and I was really taken last night by uh, some reports on CNN where they'd gone into Tel Aviv. And people are on the beaches, they're they're in cafes on the sidewalks. I mean, it's a pristine society. I mean, you just, you just wouldn't believe that these are side by side. And, you know, as David Graeber said, you know, another sort of eminent Jewish intellectual, he said, you know, how can anyone think that this is a war? Netanyahu and the Israeli government do not speak for me and for most Jewish people worldwide. They want to intimidate us worldwide into being silent. We cannot be silent, you know. But I mean, you know, what's right is right here. And I tell you what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to suspend my, my faculties of disbelief and say, well, look, Israel's exercising a right to self-defense. Whenever I see, you know, a, a distraught surgeon, I don't know if you saw yesterday on the BBC, Dr. Tanya Hassan, who's a pediatric ICU consultant who's working with um, Doctors Without Borders. And she said, there is an avalanche of human suffering here. It is man-made. 
this is a targeted bombardment. You know, there we are not we are not human shields. The Israelis are wiping out entire multi generational extended families in single airstrikes, and the news narrative almost dismisses this avalanche of suffering. You know, and then she said something absolutely heartbreaking. I don't know if you heard this. She said we have a unique medical acronym that we use only in relation to Gaza. Did you hear this? No. WCNSF. You know what that is? No. I can hardly say it. Like, wounded child, no surviving family. Wounded child, no surviving family. Mm. And she said, you know, on the BBC, this is a stain on our collective humanity. The entire hospital healthcare system collapsed almost a week ago. It was announced on TV for the whole world to see. And in that week, there has been indiscriminate bombardment. And I, I don't even know if indiscriminate is the right term because it's targeting healthcare facilities, ambulances, churches, mosques, schools, refugee camps, densely populated refugee camps, wiping out entire families in a second, entire multi-generational extended families in a second. There are almost 1,000 families in the Gaza Strip who have had at least two members of their family, at least two members killed in the last three weeks. There are almost 4,000 children who have been killed and identified, excluding almost 1,000 children whose bodies are still trapped under the rubble. Some of them may be alive for a long period before they ultimately die under the rubble. And I'm sorry if there are any young you know, children watching this. Perhaps this is a good time to ask them to leave the room. But I think it's important that I paint a picture, particularly when I'm following a news narrative that almost dismisses this avalanche of, of suffering that, that is unprecedented in modern times. You know, there's an acronym in the in the Gaza Strip right now. You know, I, I'm a pediatric intensive care doctor. I see a lot of suffering in my career. There's an acronym that is unique to the Gaza Strip, and it's called it's WCNSF. Wounded child, no surviving family. Children, and it is used not infrequently in the last three weeks. It was coined in the last three three weeks. One physician told me two days ago that, or a few days ago, that a little uh, girl came in wounded and she had a piece of paper in her pocket that she handed to him. He sent me a picture of the piece of paper. It had 27 names on it. And she said, these are the members of my family that were with me in my home. Please look for them. Please look for them under the rubble. Don't look for this one. And she points to the name of her sister. I know she's already dead. This is a 10-year-old little girl. Wounded child, no surviving family should not exist as an acronym. And to, to follow President Biden as he continues to justify and to warmonger, all I can say is this has to stop. They put the interview out, you know, you know, I'm a night, night owl, as you know, they put the interview out in that sort of BBC Rolling News service, maybe two or three o'clock in the morning, I saw it. You know, but I wept when I saw that. You know, and you know this. Uh, I don't know if you saw it this week. This small Israeli child, or sorry, the small Palestinian child who had survived a bombing, and she was, you know, she wasn't wounded, but her family were killed in the bombing. 
and she was so excitedly chattering to the camera because she had saved her books and her education certificates. Mm -hmm. She said, I want to become an engineer. She was chat chattering, you know, as if everything was fine, holding her books so proudly. My books were destroyed. My dreams would be destroyed along with my whole childhood. I put them all in my bag to take them with me in case our house could target it last night. Mm. <laughs> didn't get targeted but I see of my books you know, just, you know I, don't, I don't know if that child's alive or dead now you know it was four or five days ago Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.